If you're an Android user and you're looking for a new app to listen to your favorite podcasts, you should check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of great reviews telling you all the wonderful features of it, but the one that I like best is that you favorite your favorite shows and it downloads them right to your device. You never have to think about it again, and I like that. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Also want to take a quick second to tell you to head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s and check out the ongoing polls we have for Patreon subscribers. At the uh, $80 level, we unlock a bonus commentary track for everybody, regardless of your pledge amount. Uh, We're starting the polling process to figure out what those are going to be, although we haven't quite hit the 80 mark yet. So if a couple more of you sign up, we'll be unlocking that and sending it around to all of the listeners. Vote for Elvira. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're doing uh, four brackets, Andrew's picks, Tripp's picks, the Boozman Terry, where we'll do a power hour for the first hour, and then uh, the revisiting bracket, which is where we're going to go back and talk about uh, episodes from mostly the first season, uh, when we hadn't quite figured out what we were doing with this particular show, I don't think. But we're about, we're a little more than halfway right now to the newest tier that we set up, which is that we'll do a bonus episode every single month. So if enough people jump in on that, you'll get 50% more Dissecting the 80s in your life, which I think is pretty cool. Patreon.com slash Dissecting the 80s. Check it out and find what works for you. So we're nearing our 150th episode, which is a big milestone. And we're going to do a little bonus for that. Uh, we put this out on the social media already, but in case you haven't seen it there, Send us in your questions if you have any, and we're going to do a little Q&A sesh. We've gotten a few already. Um, We'll talk about the show a little bit and do some other little fun stuff. I don't think it'll be a super-duper long episode. It's not going to be like a uh, best-of clip show as of now. I don't think I have time to do that this second, but uh, we always like to take the opportunity to do that. So it'll either be included with the 150th episode or a second little bonus thing. But if you have any questions, you ever want to know anything about the show, ask anything of us, uh, tell us a funny story related to something, uh, dissecting the 80s at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at uh, dissect the 80s on Twitter. 856 dissect, you can give us a call. So, uh, coming up on 150, which is really buck wild. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the mega podcasting powers, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, the man whose birthday it is the day we're recording this. Woo! And one who knows that if you hear wolf noises, you should probably assume it's a werewolf. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno. And I think you mean howling sounds, because that's what they call it. If you that hear howling true. sounds, just call it a howling. It's howling. Yeah, yeah, it is howling. Also, martini podcast. <laughs> I was so desperate for this to be a good movie, and I was so disappointed. Yeah, it has all the benchmarks of uh, a direct-to-DVD 80s. Where like everyone's VHS is what you're looking for there. What did I say? Did I say video? You said DVD. Oh, di- I wrote VHS in my notes specifically. It's like everyone in this movie gives sixty percent of a shit. And I think you're being generous. I I am. But there's I mean, one there's one person in this movie giving a hundred percent of a shit, and it is the guy who wrote the theme song, and that is it. <laughs> that is know, the, the, the the dogs are the dogs are doing the Lord's work in this movie. <laughs> It's confusing, it's cheap-looking, and nobody cares. Yes, it's the Howling 4, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your horribly distracting ADR! Someone's gotta know it's your horribly distracting ADR! When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott! Queen of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So basically, this whole movie was re-recorded. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why. It may exist on, like, a commentary track somewhere, but the It said that they couldn't know. afford to record sound live. Oh, I never caught that. I'm glad you did. Or uh, something to that effect. If that's the case... <laughs> Maybe film somewhere else. <laughs> it's so bad. The whole movie is 80 yard and it's really rough to watch. But before that happens, we have some sexy guitar sounds. And and uh, the so- end credit sequence at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And the song is called 
in the ballpark of something evil. I'm not sure if that's the actual title, but that's the chorus. It's by the uh, singer of the Moody Blues, actually. Oh, really? It is indeed. Uh, and then the director of this is Jim, uh, I'm guessing Huff, H-O-U-G-H. Uh, yeah, because that's how you, like, Julianne and Derek is Huff, so I think... Right. I don't know that he's related to them. Uh, it, it, it wasn't on his any of his pages that I saw, but he's a longtime TV uh, director. You'd know uh, the Avengers TV show, Escape to Witch Mountain on the Disney Channel back in the day, the original one. That was him. The one with Kim Richards? Yes, I believe so. Friend of the podcast? <laughs> yes, apparently the only person we're ever talking about ever again. And I wrote here Treasure Island, which I think is the Disney one. Not the Muppets, but the original the one? one. Yes. So, fun fact: if he he directed that, that is that is what my note says. Okay. Well, if that's correct, a very commonly accepted thing is that the reason we think pirates talk the way pirates talk is because of Treasure Island, hmm. because it was the first popular pirate media, like widely consumed pirate media, and um, that they just decided to make pirates talk like that, and so because of that movie which was a Disney movie. Uh, that's why like pirate par pirates talk like, like why that's, there's no reason for them to have done that. Right. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. That is a good point. I've never thought about that before. We also, uh, just to, to tie all the pieces together and put all the research here up front, this movie is written by the man who was in how he also wrote howling five. Uh, he's the one who dies in the passageway. His name was Ray. I don't know if you recall that or if listeners. Oh Yeah. So he wrote Howling 5. He also wrote this one. He kind of became the steward of the Howling verse uh, and was involved well, with... Well, he was a four, nightmare five, to six, work with, apparently. The writer was? I don't yes. remember that part. It said that... Cl- it's Clive Turner, right? I just wrote Ray from the first movie. I think you're correct. <laughs> so apparently, Clive Turner didn't like the way that Julianne Huff was directing the movie. I can't remember the... Re- who. I'm going to say Julianne Huff works for me, works for me. And so he kept trying to change the script as it went along. And then when uh, Huff turned in the movie, he left and then Turner re-edited the movie, went and reshot stuff and like completely changed it to what he wanted. Fascinating. Well, it shows because boy, is this a piece of crap. Uh, This is the problem that happens with long-term franchises there's there's one thing you need to do and that is more of the thing that everybody wants which is the monster or the killer or the whatever but in this case the budget went down and they didn't have the budget to do werewolves so they just put very little werewolves in the movie and you're listening we don't hear the word werewolf until one hour into this 90 minute movie Right. And you're out there in listener land going, wait a minute, Trip, you talk all the time about how Jaws is amazing because you never see the shark. And I, I agree with you, but the difference is that movie has good actors in it. So you have to spend money somewhere. In that case, they spent a lot of money on the shark and it failed. But they also got really good actors. Well, and that move, like, this movie doesn't have werewolves attacking. The werewolves are just kind of nebulously there. They attack maybe twice before we, like, in the hour leading up to you hear the word werewolf, they attack maybe twice. So it's not like there's this building tension of, like, scratches at the door and then they see scratch marks. It's just, you hear howling a lot. Right, right. And the main character is having mental health issues, so you're not sure if she's hearing it or not hearing it. It's a total train wreck. But let's start at the beginning, which is a very cool elevator. Yeah, it's very, um, is it Last Action Hero where Schwarzenegger rides a horse in an elevator? Uh, that might be, uh, the bridge is out. Oh, True Lies. Uh, yes, you know what? Yes. It is True Lies. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like it's, yeah. It's very that elevator, the horse elevator. <laughs> yeah, the horse elevator. Yeah, he does ride a horse in an elevator in that movie. Oh, man. 90s Arnold is something special. Um, Coming soon, our new podcast about our favorite <laughs> elevators in film. Uh, uh, Floorcast? No. Ele- I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it. We got to workshop the title. Um, we get a creepy nun. 
Yeah. There's so there's there's people in an office and the guys uh, the the crux of this is this writer is having mental health issues and the people around her think oh she's overstimulated so we have to take her somewhere where she won't have her imagination stimulated which I don't I, I'm not trying to tout myself as the ultimate creative here but that place doesn't exist for me like it would be it would be a sensory deprivation tank. That would be the worst, though, because all I would do is come up with stuff to entertain myself because I would be instantly bored. I have a hard time falling asleep because my brain starts trying to entertain me. Yeah, but there's no I mean, there's no outside stimuli, which is what that they're is, going that for. Is, that is true. But that, I feel like in the case where I had a traumatic experience and they were like, OK, we got to shut you away. I'd be like, no, this is way worse. Well, this is all I think about. It wasn't even now. a traumatic. Ex- it's not like there was a thing that happened in her past and now she's afraid of wolves or whatever. It was just. She was at lunch with her publisher and screamed at a barbecue grill, at a hibachi grill. Yes. And then there and then next shot she's in an institution. It feels very much in the vein of, oh, you little lady, pat, pat, pat on the head, you know? Yeah, but like if you're gonna do that, like fucking do it. Go yeah. lean in. I want it to feel very I guess, spoiler alert, everyone in the town they go to is a werewolf. Yes. That's what happens. Which um, is obvious the second they get there, and I was like, oh, sweet, werewolf time. I mean, I don't know that it's obvious they're all werewolves, but it's obvious they're all in on it. Okay, fair. So they, but because they could have been like feeding people to the werewolves, like that um, WWE Leprechaun movie. Um, but it, it, it could have been cool if her husband was in on it and her doctor, sure. like everyone, like it started here of the, of, oh, you young, you woman, like you don't know any better. Right. If the, if the point was to get rid of her in some way, that would be fascinating. Or if she was connected to the werewolves, so we got to get her to them situation. Yeah. Like show me a portrait of this actress in like a powdered wig and like you, sure. just, you look just like the lady of them, like whatever. Yeah. Give me something she, here. She is she is lycanthropic, and it's a sort of um, recessive gene. Recessive is a good way to do it. I was thinking more along the lines of it comes out after a, it, it it awakens within you after a traumatic experience, and so she's oh. this is the first time she's becoming a werewolf, and so the lore being you know someone who is a werewolf or has the werewolf gene they do something intentionally traumatic to them on their 13th birthday right like they drown them or they throw them off a cliff or something to to make it to come out or something i'm actually like real into this <laughs> i think that like that's cool as hell i don't i just literally came up with that off the top of are my we head workshopping right this <laughs> should we hide should we delete this and kick this yes. offline tm 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 uh, the the recessive werewolf gene thing is, uh, or not recessive, it's the dormant gene thing. There you go. It's ours. But anyway, we get this vision of this nun and the hibachi grill bursts into flames, although none of these things are happening, and they're like, all right, it's time to take you to the The nun that- also disappears from the elevator, and she right. reacts as though she saw a fly. Like, there was yep. no indication that a human being disappeared. This is a full-on apparition. This isn't just the image of something in a mirror. It's a person standing there. Like, you held the elevator for this person. Right, right. in the elevator. Yes, exactly. And their response is instead to be like, oh, let's take you to the only place that that is safe for you, the cabin from Evil Dead. But without the the porch roof. Yes. They drive and drive and drive and drive and drive, and then they pull up to this house, and I was... I was flabbergasted at how much it looked like the cabin for Evil Dead. <laughs> Where's the swing? Where's the porch swing? Exactly. Um, but and there are and they even do the Raimi POV shot. Yes, I know more than once all throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we were riding. We get lost. There's a cop that you know is coming back later, but this time doesn't really do anything. And then. When we finally get to the cabin, as you alluded to earlier, there's claw marks on the front door, which is a thousand times more interesting if there aren't claw marks on the front door. And then she goes inside one night and she hears scratching and then there's claw marks at like human hand height. Way more interesting. Mm -hmm. Or if it's, you know, she sees the one set of claw marks on the door. When she hears the scratching, she goes outside and now there's another set with it. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, those claw marks are always there. There's also some really great, and by great, I mean corny, terrible, 
stings in the soundtrack for when the cop when they when, when they leave and then they whip back to the cop and then as the, she sees the claw marks that are remind me of the ones in Halloween that it's like Ba-da-da! but in Halloween it's a, a moment of actual tension and so it heightens and in here it's like Ba-da-da! on these very poorly claw marked claws it's so I was with Disney Plus I've been rewatching stuff from childhood including gargoyles and there's a moment in the pilot where there's literally a, a slab of stone that's got giant claw marks in it. And the girl's like, what could be strong enough to leave claw marks in solid stone? And all I could think of was this stupid moment of this. These are clearly a- a- animal claws. Yes. These are monster claws. Yes, exactly. Come on, lady. Uh, the so, husband, Her husband hates her publisher because clearly her publisher wants to fuck her. Yes. Everybody in this movie wants to fuck everybody is the problem. It's Bone Town, USA. Uh, and it, I wanted it to be Werewolf Town, USA. It's a very different Can movie. you imagine what the yes. old folks home in Werewolf Town, in Bone Town, USA would look like? There is a really good old people werewolf movie called <sighs> Late Phases, I want to say. Late Phases, Night Phases. I can't remember the name. I'm pretty sure Late Phases is it. Came out a couple years ago. Really excellent movie about an old folks. Uh, it's more like... When there's a community of independent homes that are all for like a, it's not necessarily like a, old folks homes are usually kind of like a dorm room, right? Yeah. So this is a different setup where it's like independent homes. Elderly community. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. And werewolves in the elderly community. Hmm. I like that idea. It's it's very good. It's, uh, Silver butterscotch. Yes, exactly. But this, yeah, so he comes, the husband comes, they have a little back and forth pushiness with the publisher. The publisher leaves. We cut to some fooling around, and then it's interrupted by the howling of wolves. And the husband so, doesn't hear it? Question? I don't know. Also, knowing that every sound that we hear in this movie was added in post and not organically picked up on the day makes me mad. Because the the bed squeaking during their boning doesn't make any sense. No, it's way it's off. Not it's not rhythmic, and it doesn't match their movements. It's yeah. just like someone had, it was like, I had this three-minute track of random bed squeaks. Let me just put that on. I was picturing a guy with two bowling balls, one in each hand, just going like left, right, left, right, left, left, right. <laughs> oh, he's left, right. Oh, you think left, they're actually right, left, doing right. the, like, foley. But it's just a guy with, it's like, he's got the two bowling balls, and he's just arrhythmically bouncing. Yeah, they can't hands. afford to show him what they right. shot. It's right, exactly. Just, they're like, we need bed squeaks. And he's like, got it. Uh, so we smash cut from this sex being interrupted by werewolf howls to this art gallery. And this woman is so obviously a werewolf. It's insane. There's a movie that I thought might be a podcast episode. And it still might be called The Lair of the White Worm. And the the actress. That's very familiar. I was texting you about it while I was watching it. It's the one that I was like, I can't believe I didn't save this for the podcast. It's so oh. weird. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's an actress in that playing a character that was supposed to be played by Tilda Swinton and Tilda Swinton didn't do it. And all I could think of with this woman is like, oh, this is obviously supposed to be maximum weirdness Tilda Swinton. Would I be always so want here. Tilda Swinton in things. Yeah. I told you my, my dream casting of Tilda Swinton as the new Doc Brown. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it the way you like it, but that's okay. I'm. I just think I don't think Tilda Swinton's funny. That's the problem. Is Doc Brown needs to be funny to me? Okay, that's fair. But this woman, this crazy art werewolf, would be Tilda Swinton. So good. See, again, like I guess for me, I don't picture werewolves as like seductive, sexy. To me, that's more vampire, sure, demony like territory. Um. So maybe that's my shortcomings as a, as a, I don't know. I'm sure the werewolf society of America is going to at me so hard of like, there are these instances of werewolves being seductive. But for me, like they're more the brute strengthy, which I guess was probably why Twilight was effective because the vampires were sexy and the werewolves were like violent or whatever. Sure. Yeah. So I think. But also I would say that we don't often get werewolf depictions where it's, not a curse and i don't think this woman has a curse i think she's luring bait you know what i mean yeah totally i so I it is vampiric that in way. that way yeah 
it's not the curse and because that's honestly like, that's the first thing i think of when i think of werewolves is that like gypsy woman speech yes. in yeah. the werewolf of the curse exactly. and the man that you only know because it's in the sandlot is it only is it the sandlot uh-huh i also know it because of alvin and the chipmunks meet the wolf man <laughs> <laughs> Which, shockingly, is not on YouTube in its entirety. <laughs> it's your birthday. I had to call you out for my own benefit. Uh, yeah, there's the whole bit in the sandlot where the, he's running from the dog, and it's like, a knife with a silver handle. And then they burst through the screen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, you're right. Uh, so we see the cop again a little bit, and she... Is this the dog has been missing at this point? Um, no. Sure. I mean, the dog was missing pretty quick. Yeah, and so the sheriff is, like, very nonplussed by this, and then... Oh, I guess we haven't met the townsfolk. I guess we meet the townsfolk, and then the dog was missing. Okay, so they do do meet the sheriff again here. I can't remember what the substance of it was, but that's okay, because it's irrelevant. But they go into the general store, and... It's just uh, to show that the shopkeep knows everybody's business. Yes, and it's a shopkeep and the shopkeep's wife, and the shopkeep says to the husband... Come help me shop. We'll let the ladies talk. And then the it's like I don't I don't want to do either of those things. <laughs> and also, it's not even hey, all the supplies are in the back room. You're gonna help right. me. It's we're all in the same small bedroom sized room. We're just gonna be at the shelves over here, and they're gonna be sitting at a table. If you were to imagine this as your average, say Applebee's or Chili's or TJ Friday's, Red Robin, pick your favorite chain restaurant. The distance. Uh, between the men shopping and the ladies talking is the interior door and the hostess stand. <laughs> yes. They, I was like, where are you going to go with this? Yeah, yes, that's 100% what it is. Six to eight feet apart and in no way having any sort of private conversation. And also, there's exactly one shelf of food and goods in this place. And then another shelf that appears to be supposed to be for that, but there's nothing on it. No. And instantly, the lady shopkeep is like... Well, I know everybody's business because this is a small town and don't think too much into that. And then she like looks down the barrel of the camera and winks at the audience because yeah. just in case you don't get it. And then she like pulls her lift down to show you her fang. <laughs> she like like pulls out her sleeve, raises her arm. There's a bite mark. Uh-huh. There's wolf spain on the table and she just knocks it over. <laughs> She's like, I hope you don't want any silver because we don't carry silver here. She's shaving while this is happening. <laughs> This beard just keeps sprouting up, and she's like, "Ning, ning, ning. got a straight razor. Uh huh, uh huh. So we get another. We cut from collecting supplies back to the cabin where they're having sex again, and the howling interrupts again. And he gets like, on a what's the word I'm looking for? Disproportionately mad about this. Yes. Yeah. You would think that this is the hundredth time. <laughs> she's going, hey, stop fucking me. I hear a werewolf. Yes, like, yes. And I think it's exacerbated because we didn't talk about it, but the the sexy werewolf art gallery owner is really into him. And I think oh, he she got all, came in hot. I think he got all riled up about it and is like, come on, I need this. Which, again, that's a great angle because you could have filmed it that he's having sex with his wife and then it flashes and he th- he's picturing, like, her. Yeah. The sexy gal. Like, you could have done something with that. Or he thinks he's having sex with his wife, but, spoiler, it's the werewolf tricking him with some sort of fancy werewolf power. Again, we're getting into vampire and territory, then, but so what? And then double twist, it's the lady shopkeep. <laughs> she is both. <laughs> she is both. No, no, no. She's she's her own person, but she just really wants she's, to have sex. It's a it's an inception. I see. Yeah, she's uh, just, like just for the I record, need this real bad. The shopkeep and the lady shopkeep are approximately seventy five years old, <laughs> and the sexy werewolf uh, art art exhibit lady is maybe twenty eight. Yeah. Uh, so she has a weird dream. And the POV. Yeah. Of, of sprinting through the woods kind of thing, the Sam Raimi shots. And, oh, this is where the dog goes missing. So they wake yeah. up and they can't find their dog. Yeah, their little puppy goes missing. Uh, and the husband's like, eh, don't worry about it. It's a dog. It'll come home. I got to go back to L.A., by the way, which seems very far away from this place, although we don't know that for 100% certainty. Yeah, distance is not clear in this movie. No. 
Um, but well, I, his point is that, hey, it's a dog and it's lived in a house all its life and it finally has woods. I'm sure he'll come home, which yeah. feels not crazy. Yeah. I mean, I would still go looking for the dog, I feel like. But this leads to my favorite scene in the movie. And it's the, the, the main actress from the film and the shopkeep lady. And the shopkeep lady comes out of the house with a glass bottle of Coke and two glasses. And she pours like two fingers of Coke into each of their glasses as if it's bourbon. And then the woman who is, uh, who's visiting, do you have her name? I don't want to keep calling her the main actress. She's an author. I don't know that I wrote her name down. I wrote author or lady. Well, the author is like picking up this Coke by the sun in the shot. It's maybe two 15 PM. And the shopkeep lady goes, well, you better be moving on. If you want to get home before the sun goes down and, you know these woods are dangerous. I didn't dark. think about that. You're right. <laughs> it's like two in the afternoon. These houses can't be that far There's apart. There's no shadow on the ground. That's how high and the sun is. She literally just poured her a drink. It, well, that's she, why it was a two finger. She knew she, she got to get her out of there. <laughs> she's like, I'm not sharing my precious Coca Cola with you. You know how hard it is to get a Coca Cola around these pots, and especially a cold one like this. Sprinkle some peanuts in it. Wait, what? That's a, oh, that's a South thing, not a California thing. Never mind. Putting put peanuts, peanuts? In, yeah. Put uh, salted peanuts in your Coke is a salt is a southern thing. Why? I don't know. Um, I read about it in Memory Hearts book. Like to make and, the Coke taste different. Yeah. So you just put okay. like you you like take a sip of your glass bottle of Coke, and then sprinkle a handful of salted peanuts in there, and then you drink as it goes. And I was like, oh, that's a weird thing. And then the next time I watched Steel Magnolias, Dolly Parton does it. Not like. Not in focus, just, like, of her own volition, clearly in the background, like, well, this is how I drink my Coke, and just, like, puts peanuts in her Coke. I like both of those things, but I can't imagine the peanuts in the I'm Coke. very curious to try Somebody it. tweet us, yeah. I just never have. They also do boiled peanuts in the South, so, like, Outback, no rules, yeah. just right. <laughs> so she has her one sip of Coca-Cola, and she starts walking through the woods, and she thinks she sees the nun, so she starts running after her, and like, oh, nope, it's the artist who's just doing twirls in the woods wearing this long, flowy... <laughs> She's just Emmy, Stevie uh, Nixing in the woods. Yes, thank you. I almost said Emily Harris. I was like, it's not her. Different different lady singer from that era. Uh, yeah, she's just doing Stevie Nicks twirls in this long, flowy With outfit. a woolen cape. It's not even... Yeah. yeah. I don't know why she's wearing a woolen cape in probably summer during the, like, sun time. Like, what is happening? Right. And so, so the artist, artist goes, oh, I know where you're staying. <laughs> Take this random shortcut. And she proceeds to describe it to her, which is fairly complicated. Also, just so you're picturing a uh, listening audience, you know the beginning of Beauty and the Beast when the old beggar woman comes to the castle and instantly you know that she's not someone to be trusted? That's what she looks like. She's got her hood up. She's like, oh, you should go this way. And she's all hunched over and pointing. Like... She actually Not someone to be trusted. She actually kind of looks like the woman from the Wolfman movie who gives the instructions of you know knife with a silver oh, hand. Oh, you know, she kind of she kind of looks like her. Yeah. So and she starts walking home on this shortcut, and she comes across this mystery cave and also a dead animal. Well, she thinks it's her dog. Yes, but it's a cave. It doesn't eat. If the movie is so cheap, it doesn't really look like a cave. It just looks like a small. A small wearing away of rocks that you could probably hide behind, like, if you wanted to. Well, like, if it was raining real bad and you were on a hike and it was one of those summer storms that was going to pass quickly, you would just lean under here for a while. Yeah, it's clearly not big enough to house a real animal, but the movie wants you to think it is. So she leans in and there's a quick flash of her dead dog's head and she runs home being chased by a werewolf to find ghosts in the house. I what is she is she a medium is that what we're supposed to take away I think they're supposed to imply the movie is supposed to imply that she is clairvoyant but as you like to say the movie didn't tell us that uh and the the ghosts are are very blunt and are just just go away which honestly me is a ghost yeah I don't have time for subtlety just go away yeah no cryptic nonsense just clear directions please me floating with a martini I'm going to make the walls bleed. Get out. Get out of my house. So she's home and there's a knock at the door. Or she just stepped outside. But this woman has arrived who is just flat out. Oh, goes, also, 
Did you catch that the... So earlier we mentioned she had a dream about running through the woods. Did you notice that this shot was the same dream shot without the blue filter? Oh, I didn't notice that, but that feels feels very on brand. They filmed this wood sequence, slapped a blue filter on it, called it a dream, and used it twice. Very impressive. But this woman shows up and is upfront about being a huge fan who stalked her and the writer's response is come in i made coffee smash cut to the two women sitting on Has the porch misery not come out yet <laughs> but she says she's the line of dialogue which was recorded after the fact so they knew that this shot follows this shot she says come in i made coffee and then we cut to the two women sitting on the porch drinking tang or orange juice I did think that was weird. I was like, are they, what, are they, <laughs> why, what is this? Why was the line coffee? Also, why would she let her in her house? Yeah, there's zero. If so, I'm sorry, please don't be offended. But if somebody came up to me and knocked, came up to my home and knocked on the door and said, hi, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, I would not invite them in. I'd be like, I don't, what's a podcast? Yeah, how do you? How did you find what? me? I'm, yeah. I don't know what that is. Now, if we're, if I'm out in public, especially if we've announced that we're going to be somewhere and you come up to us, super cool and flattering. But if you have figured out my address, I'm a little I mean, that happened at one of my shows. Right. My, like, but not, I was super Not flattered. one of our live shows, one of my theater shows. A right. friend of mine was like, I know your voice. Yes, I was super duper flattered. That was cool as heck. But if someone knocked on the front door and was like, hey, I love your show, I'd be a little, little, little weirded out. Um, so her friend, who the movie later calls a lesbian, and I was like, you know what? I think she might be. Um, she's talking to her about, you know, I've, I'm here because I'm trying to find my friend. I used to be a nun. And then she reaches, she like pulls out a pad folio, like you might bring to a presentation if you're an artist of, here's my work. And she pulls out an 8 by 10 glossy of her in her nun habit with her friend who's also a nun in her habit. Yes. And it's the mysterious nun. And all I could think was... When did you have a photo shoot at the nunnery? Well, they were going to have nunditions, you see. Like, did Annie Leibovitz show up and was yeah. like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you with a fan and we're going to throw you in a tank of water and it's going to be great. <laughs> at so what point husband... did you decide the ADR was too distracting? Oh, 25 minutes before the scene we're on now. I was, this was torture. I did, well, I'm, I've been, my notes throughout have been, this ADR is the worst. This ADR yes, is the I worst. Ha- I was this, curious I just, when. <laughs> we talked about it, so I don't feel the need to keep bringing it up, but yes, it's atrocious. I agree. The last half hour of the movie is okay because there's a lot less dialogue, but everything else is really tough. Well, the one guy, her publisher has the deepest voice you've ever heard, and it, it just doesn't fit the man who was supposed to be speaking. I don't know why. It just doesn't. And it's his real voice, I assume. It just seems weirder. I would guess. Um, Meanwhile, the husband has been flirting with the art lady, and he comes home, and he's like, look, I found this creepy doll near the cave, but no animal. I think this is the doll. No, he's trying to say that the dog isn't dead. This is what you found. And then they both decide, the dog's not important for the rest of the movie. No. Uh... I think maybe a mention in passing later, but not sure. Uh, Meanwhile, these hikers show up and they're like... These red shirts. Yes. They find Marie, who I think is the artist. I have written Marie. No. No. Marie is is the author. Okay. So Marie is painting. She's just got like a full on easel. That's why you think she was the artist. Yes. So Marie is out there with an easel and a palette, and she's got her Bob Ross going. She's just painting away these happy little trees. She's done some mushrooms and is just going to town on this canvas. Yeah, and then they have a little back and forth, like, oh, you're hiking. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we're hiking this whole trail, blah, 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 blah. I got bit somehow. Yes. Uh, and she's like, well, that's bad. Well, I guess you should be on your way to continue hiking then. You're definitely not about to die. You haven't been into this movie just to make the plot Well, she does bandage more. them up. Yes, that's true. And tell them to go to a doctor. Later, she calls them her friends. And I was like, whoa, lady. Yeah, I, I was like, girl, you just met them. Like, I don't think I would call that person an acquaintance. I, I'd be like, oh, I met those people. So because this movie is so cheap. Here's what I'm picturing happened for the next scene. Okay. Because the the red shirt hikers get attacked by a werewolf that you don't see, but you hear the snarling, and the camera's clearly supposed to be the werewolf. And for some reason, they decided to shoot in a creek. Yeah. Almost 
a small river, kind of a big creek. And the guy's running and splashing, but as soon as the camera gets close, he stops splashing at all. So I was just picturing the director being like, look, run through the creek, splash around, but the second the camera gets too close, you stop splashing. We cannot afford to replace this camera. <laughs> yeah. They have it wrapped in like four trash bags, and he's like, yeah, so, if one like, drop of water gets on this camera, I'm going to break your legs. Do you they're understand? They're running and splashing, and all of a sudden they're just like, they turn and stop in the middle of the water, and they're like, oh, no. But the other crazy part about this scene is it flips from day filter to, like, day no filter to blue night filter, like, five times. It's like, day, night, day, night, day, night. Pick one! It doesn't make any sense. So they both die. Yeah, and you don't get to see anything. No, There's not even, like, not even blood in the water, which you is, like, the kind bare of a dead minimum. Body. Yeah. But, come on, corn syrup food coloring, this costs, like, two fifty. You could make the water run red. Or if it's just water, just throw food coloring in the water. Sure, yeah. If just color the water a little bit. Right. Um, her husband hunted a rabbit because he bought a gun in in California. I don't what. He 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 kicks over the door. Is like I bought this and I shot this. And then the next the like Wait, smash there's, cut. There's some good dialogue here. I want to 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 highlight in the gun scene. Go uh, for it. First. They're going back and forth about what, it, what about the noises she's been hearing, and he's like, Marie, it was probably a coyote. He brushes straight past her, still hands bloody from this rabbit that he slung <coughs> onto the table, starts walking up the stairs, and then we shoot through the stairs, and he's like, well, are you coming up? Like, whoa, buddy, even like a little bit of... Yeah, it's very weird. Also, uh, I googled what a coyote sounds like. It's not a wolf sound. Coyotes are much higher pitched, apparently. They're, they sound kind of like women screaming. Oh, bobcats. Oh, never mind. Bobcats sound like women screaming. Really? That is not. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. freaky. Coyotes. Oh, the other, the, other, the other dialogue in this scene is when, when they're eating and somebody mentions cleaning up, it's like, now I know why they invented paper plates. Why are we filming a sitcom all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. I w- she goes, I'll be up. I have to finish doing the dishes. <laughs> well, now I know why they invented paper plates. And then so men could have more Kevin sex. James, Kevin James wheezes his way into the scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's her? Who is this? I created a lady? character where I only get to wear shorts. It's the greatest acting gig in history. <laughs> I learned from Adam Sandler, who only writes roles where he carries bowls of shrimp. <laughs> um, but the, so after he shows up with the dead rabbit, it smashed. She's like. She kind of giggles to herself, which in a movie about pioneers, that scene's endearing. Yes. This movie's not about that. Yeah. And then it smash cuts to them at the tape, like at the sink washing dishes or whatever. And they're giggling to themselves like, well, tomorrow I promise I'll shoot a chicken. And I was like, you didn't show me the in-between and what they're laughing about. Right. Did they bite bullet? Like, did, like, what? What are we did laughing it taste about? bad? Did you not? Did you? Does she know how to cook a rabbit? Because I don't, and I feel like I'm I a pretty good adventurous cook. No, yeah, like what? Does she try and you know do it right? Like what happened that they're laughing about? Because I right. don't know. Uh, and then it's nighttime all of a sudden, and the nun ghost reappears, and she smashes a lamp. And I just want to know. I think we're forever cursed because we did that Amityville movie. But what is it with spiritual entities and lamps on this podcast? I can neither confirm nor deny our interest in lamps. Yeah, it's like I guess because spectral light is a thing. I don't know, but it's. A I mean, lot ghost of lights are a thing in theater. If we're just gonna like throw around theories, I don't know. Um, that is true. So she, the husband, leaves again, and then she meets up with the former nun, and they try to do some Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys business. So they they head to the bell tower, and everyone in town sees them and comes sprinting out of their various shops, art galleries, and police car. By the way, that's it. That's the four. Oh, there's a doctor. Five. Yeah, there's five jobs, <laughs> and it's it's shopkeep, assistant shopkeep, cop artist gallery owner and that is the whole of this town and they're like arriving art scene in this it's she sells a lot of framed prints but they all come running out like oh whoa whoa where are you going there like oh we're gonna go with the bell tower like no you can't go in there it's condemned and it's just five four people just suddenly like yeah condemned it's a a, the most hazardous place you could possibly go if that's the lie you want to go with 
print up a sign, like have the artist lady paint a sign that says condemn. Like there's right. options here right, of ways to keep people out of your bell tower that I guess hosts, because the doctor's in there later, spoiler alert. So I guess is that like the the pentagram? Yeah, area? I think it's the it's the werewolf like homelands. Sure. Um, so so the, the husband also I just want to say has no arc that's natural because when we first meet him we're like oh he's a cool guy and then all of a sudden the rest of the movie's like nah he's shady and probably hates his wife right and I think it's supposed to be that the werewolf artist kind of cursed him but they don't explain that at all. You know what would have been cool if when she met him, she like went to shake his hand and scratched him. Yeah, and then from there it becomes a, like, the oh, downward spiral. Was, that was my that was my ring. I'm so sorry, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the hiker's van is getting towed away, and the sheriff kind of blows her off with her concerns about her dog, and also the hikers. And she's like, "I think that's my friend's van," like we talked about earlier. So the two <laughs> yeah, ladies, she, the word "friends" just gets thrown around real liberally. Yeah. So the two ladies are like, oh, we got to investigate. Let's go in the garage. So they go to the garage where the tow truck was, and she finds the license plate hidden in there. Uh, it's also a pair. Of, I forget that other states, you need a front and a back license plate. I'm, I was like, I've been in a two-plate state for more than half of my life at this point. I have not. And I was just like, because she pulls out one, and then there's a dramatic, st- the dramatic sting you talked about where she slides the back plate up and it's the same plate. And I was like, wait, I don't, it's a, a duplicate hit. What did yeah. we, what, are, what? <laughs> yeah. So they go to the doctor and he blows them off. And then somehow they go to get in touch with this priest who I wanted to, uh, how far away is this nunnery? It's gotta be close. It, it has to be, I guess, but it also, why did the nun appear to her in Los Angeles then? So I assume her to the werewolf. Vid. I assume this was like a Los Angeles based nunnery. Uh, and therefore, no, I think it's like the next town or two over. It must be because the only they, I guess they have the 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 super fan has a Jeep that they get in. Um, but the best is at the end of this scene because the, the priest has been telling them about whatever. And then uh, Marie goes, so you're the closest town to werewolf falls. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, they don't have a church there. He's like, no, we're the closest church. And she's like, do they ever come to your services? And he goes, no. And she's like, that's pretty suspicious, don't you think? Is it? It was a different time. It was I know, but like, America. it's weird that like, I mean, I guess it's weird that an entire town has doesn't go. But like, I mean, without, the town has six people in it. It's not that crazy. It's essentially a Disney World town. <laughs> it's not even that. It's like the where Tremors takes place. I really, I want to rewatch Tremors. Do you think like Bert and 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 uh, <laughs> Reba McIntyre and the shopkeep were driving to the next town over to go to church? No, that's so much work. You're right. Uh. We get this bizarre interlude where the husband is back and he has the rifle and he's teaching the two women to shoot it. And the nun is a very good shot, which I find really delightful. And then that wraps up and he's like, well, I got to go get more supplies. And Marie is just totally fine with this, except that she knows specifically what is in the house and she doesn't have any issue or concern or request for anything. And so he just goes off to have sex with the artist lady. But also... That's what right before that is when the ghost furniture happens. She's walking through the house at night and all the furniture starts shaking and falling over like it's possessed by a ghost. Poltergeist stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very poltergeisty. And then he goes and bones the artist lady who has the pointiest human boobs I've ever seen. I thought this was going to be like a species thing where she sort of like wolfed out in the middle of sex and then ate him, which, or uh, I guess that happens in trick or treat, right? Something very similar Oh yeah, to that. it does. And I was like, man, this is going to be so cool. And instead it's just a lot of breasts for no reason. But it's not even a lot of breasts in frame. It is one, it's like three quarters of one breast on the side of the screen. Yes. Because it's framed very oddly for being the over-indulgent nudity scene. She's riding him, and the focus is on her shadow. And I was like, oh, we're going to get a wolfy shadow. Like, she's going to, like, start to, you know, hit the mountain. And, like, 
turn into a wolf in shadow and we're going to, or we're going to see something. No, it's just, here's uh three quarters of her nipple and her shadow. Right. And that's it's it. It's very weird. Because then Marie shoots at a wolf outside. And when the, she shoots at the wolf, I don't know if she hits it or not. Um, the sexy artist lady like howls in pain. Right, because they're all sort of pack connected is, I guess, what we get to. So he comes home because he was just cheating on his wife, and the woman he was cheating with just started screaming in pain, which I guess would be pretty alarming. And yeah. then when 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 he sees the broken window and all that stuff, he grabs the gun and goes out. And I was like, oh, cool, this guy's going to get killed. No, he just basically pretends to look. It's it, So I don't I, – is that what we're supposed to take away, that he was pretending? He calls her um, – he – he basically silently calls her crazy with his eyes when he comes back in. So I assumed he was just being like, yeah, all right, I'll go look, you nutter. Well, because so he goes outside and he like flashes his light from the porch and is like, ah, damn it. And then looks a couple more times. I was like, did you expect to just go outside and the wolf that she shot at was just sitting there? Yeah. Waiting? It's just like nursing its wound. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so she has the next day she talks to her nun friend and then she goes to the doctor and he's like, oh, you need some Valium. And he walks over to his medicine cabinet that just has Valium in it. It's like also, someone will just fill Valium. Yes. It's like a, first, it's a different world for sure. But second, clearly someone in this town has prescribed Valium and you're getting a supply for them. So what's that person going to do when they don't have it? I wish it was that easy to get my prescription drugs. It is such a pain in the ass sometimes. But if I just go into any doctor in a local town, I'm like, here, fill this for me. And he was like, yeah. I'll open my Ikea glass cabinet full of pills. Yeah, it looks like an action figure display case. It's but the for Ikea pills. display. It, there's a display case at Ikea you can buy with like rounded aluminum uh-huh. edges and glass panels. And that's exactly what it looks like is sitting in his office. Um, and when she says, you know, I shot at a wolf last night, the doctor drops all the pills and is like, what? <laughs> also, there's like eight things in this cabinet. So the fact that one of them is Valium is utterly buck wild. And the other one's like a fancy belt buckle. Like it's, right. there's nothing. It's not a lot of doctor stuff in this cabinet. There's like a there's like a syringe kit in there, presumably some Tylenol in there. And Valium. And Valium. But yeah, he's like, oh, it, it, it was a raccoon. Now take your Valium, is basically the response. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a raccoon, not a wolf. <laughs> yeah, now take your Valium. Um, Do you think and, the werewolves, if they eat someone who is on Valium, get the Valium high? I would think so. I I've always wondered that so. with like werewolves. Like, like, oh, you don't want to eat me. I'm very drunk right now or whatever. Well, because I feel like that's a vamp. I feel like I've seen that in vampire lore that like if a vampire drinks the blood of someone who like is high, right, they would get high. Oh yeah, they do that in what we do in the shadows. And I think I don't know that. I I want to, but I haven't yet. Um, the movie, not the show. Either way, I haven't seen it. Oh, um, but I think True Blood did that once. Yeah, that feels familiar. It might have been a disease, like the diseased blood. But yeah, yeah, I feel like that's right. Oh, there was vampire hepatitis. I don't remember what letter they gave it, but there was vampire okay. hepatitis. So she checks in with uh, the agent, Tom, for the license plate, and he doesn't have anything. And then... No, he does. The, the car was registered under the name Brooks. Right. Which I guess I was just means the hiker. It wasn't the hiker's license plates. Right. Um, and then the husband, Richard, comes back, and he's a real prick about the whole situation that she was talking to the the agent again. And it's a classic, like... I'm going out. I'll talk to you later. And he storms out of the house only to go cheat on his wife. Although I will say in his defense, they literally left LA to go to this like hellhole middle of nowhere cabin in the woods. Yeah. So that his wife would be not stimulated for her imagination. And instantly she's like, I found werewolves. And yeah. He's like, yeah. God damn it. Yeah, I guess. But I don't think that justifies him constantly cheating on her. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. But. Um, he also calls the, he, he called her friend who's like her biggest fan or whatever, a lesbian. And I was like, yeah, she does look like a lesbian. (laughs) And so the whole rest of the movie, I was like, lesbian in my notes. (laughs) 
But he finds the artist, and then she wolfs out and eats him. And the first time we see a werewolf... It's not even a transformation. No. It's just she is a wolf. And it's 69 minutes into this 90-minute movie. It's the first time we even see a werewolf. It's called The Howling 4. What do you think I came for? Inexcusable. Um, And then she finds him. Yes. And he, he has... A gaping wound that yes. is oozing, like pouring blood as yes. though it was out of a pitcher. And her face, he might as well have stubbed his toe. Right. And then she inexplicably throws his bloody shirt in the fire. Couldn't figure out what that was about. Well, so the next morning there isn't evidence of that he bled a lot because the doctor, oh. the doctor shows up and he's like, it's just a little scratch. He's going to be fine. I don't know what you're talking about. And then even he comes downstairs later and it's just a little scratch. He's like... Yeah, I just caught myself on a branch. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the the, the shirt is gone. Uh, okay, that makes sense. But it would have uh, made a lot more sense point, if someone I... else destroyed the shirt because, you know, hiding the evidence. Or if he threw the shirt in the fire. Right, anyone but her. Uh, and this point I went, there's 25 minutes left. What is happening? It also really didn't look like a bite. It looked like scratches. Yeah, it looked like a Like, a not a, like deep scratches, like, into your muscles. Gouged, it did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like claws, not teeth. And did you notice, I don't know why this made me laugh so much. So there's a moment where uh, Marie is standing on the stairs and like hands on the railing looking at the doctor. And she's like, I swear he said it was a wolf. And the doctor's like, he told me it was falling down, whatever. Yeah. And then it just cuts to her and like focuses on her for a couple seconds, goes back to the doctor, goes back to her and then back to the doctor. And he just goes, well, goodbye. <laughs> and then it was leaves. a really weird line. It was <laughs> like, what? Is, what are we doing? So then we cut back to this priest, and the former nun is in there asking him about this exorcism book and if he has it. And then he's like, "Oh, that dead nun wanted this exorcism book." And I'm like, "Why are we doing exorcist stuff? This is werewolves." I was so mad. I was like, "Get out of here, exorcism! This is not your movie." So the nun goes to talk to Marie, and Marie is like, no, no, this is all, I made all this up, this is all fine. I'm taking Valium now, so everything's very cool. I'm being gaslighted. It's okay. The agent shows up to help, and Richard just decks him, which she is She also has funny. way more chemistry with her agent than she does. husband. Yeah, she because, does. Uh, the lesbian friend is there when the publisher comes in, and instantly she like has her arms around his waist and has a hand on his chest, and she's like, this is my publisher. And I was like, really? Because it looks more like she should be a husband. Seems like you publishing the inside of each other's bodies on a regular basis, maybe. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Seems like the only thing he's publishing is the naked Polaroids he shoots of you every other weekend. There you go. There you go. The only thing he's proofreading is... Nope. <laughs> nah. <laughs> The only books on tape. Nope. <laughs> so he you, says that you're the van- dedicating your vagina to him. <laughs> you're about the author page says that you live in California with your husband, Tom, who's also your agent. So they find out that the van belonged to the sister, Ruth, and Tom, the agent, is trying to help with the mystery. And this is where we hear the nuns quote that's we are all in fear, which I'm going to I'm going to wait until the movie reveals it. But I made am me throw mad. Things. Yes. To quote I my am, friend at work, I am big mad. I have problems and I want to talk about them. So, well, Marie so wants to- also, at what did you? OK, so the husband called her a lesbian. And then at this point in the movie, the publisher says something is talking to the, the the fan friend and she says it's all my fault i filled her head with all this werewolf stuff and he's like it's okay it's that's you it, it, whatever talking to your head and she goes yeah i filled her head with that and many other ideas and i was like whoa wait what are There's, we wait there was definitely some other things going on that we did not see in this movie and i'm 100 percent. they were supposed to be lesbians right yeah yeah uh, so Marie's like, all right, that's enough. We got to get out of here. Richard won't leave. He's like, we got to wait until the morning or something bizarre. Well, he's the one who says, I want to go home and then right. goes, but I can't leave. Right. Um, and then we find out, oh, we didn't talk about them. The old, the ghosts she saw were the old people who lived in the cabin before her. Right. Marie. And then it turns out they're the nun's parents. Right. Which is a lot of interconnectivity that I don't need. Didn't make any sense. Didn't add anything. It's just there. 
So she finds Sister Ruth's Bible and written inside it is werewolves are here. And this is where the movie shows us Sister no, Ruth. No, it's not even werewolves are here. It's some other bullshit phrase about demons. And because earlier they had equated demons to werewolves. And then the movie just overlaps Sister Ruth talking. It doesn't even lay it out like that. And that's what makes me mad. Well, they are trying to say the phrase, we are all in fear, is actually werewolves are here. Which, get out. It doesn't get, even remotely sound like that. Get the like fuck that. out. Like, you'd have to have a really bad phone connection to hear, we are all in fear from werewolves are here. Like, that's some telephone. Like, the game telephone nonsense. Get out, movie. Um... So Tom, the agent, he finds Richard mid-transformation, basically as bait. And, yeah. And Richard starts melting, which is... No, no, no. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. First, the publisher just gets his throat ripped out by a wolf. Oh, right. He gets killed, yes. And but- then it looks like if you took the, um, the Nazi face melt from Indiana Jones and stripe the gremlins sunlight melt at the end of gremlins along with the return of the living dead living skeleton things yes 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 and kind of like mashed all three together and i was like really gross it's where has this been the whole effing movie clearly the whole budget was spent on this moment and they were they're like well we got to put it at the end of the movie because of that but man like more this less that other stuff This, like, horrifying body horror. There's so much body horror in the last seven minutes of this movie. And the skeleton is, like, screaming in pain, even after it doesn't have any bones, anything but bones. It's, it's really like good. Re- its skeleton hand is, like, trying to reach for its chest. It's crazy cool. And meanwhile, all the werewolves are sort of gathered around this in a circle, watching him turn into people soup. And they're just like, yeah, this is so good. Woo! And... I will say the the werewolf design on the um the townsfolk in this scene is way more vampy than it is werewolfy. It is, it is. It's also vaguely marsupial. They have kind of like yeah marsupial ears. Um, there's also they're also all yelling out Satan's calling to you, and I'm like, all right, we we can't have the devil in the werewolf thing. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. This is not part the of devil that. exorcism werewolf and uh, like no yeah uh, there's too much spaghetti on the wall yes. And so he kind of reconstitutes from soup into wolf. Sure. Which, if that's the way they transform in this universe, like, you fully become ooze and reconstitute in wolf form. You just caterpillar to butterfly every time? Right. I get why you didn't show us that, because yuck, but yeah. Did you know that caterpillars supposedly know that that's what happens to them? Interesting. I didn't. Like inherent, like, when they cocoon, they turn to a goo and then reform as a butterfly. Right. And apparently, according to scientists, like caterpillars just inherently know that's what happens. Hmm. Well, I don't think that people know that that's what happens when they turn into werewolves. I think it's pretty no. horrifying. Um, so <laughs> Marie is running to her car as the wolves are chasing. Uh, there's a really funny car, and I'm using liberal air quotes around the word stunt, where she like does the classic, like you hit a person, they kind of roll up and off the hood. And the car looks like it's... if. <laughs> You know how if you put your car in drive and take your foot off the brake, it just starts rolling? That's how fast yeah. it's moving. It looks like if you and I were trying to do this stunt, and then we would just try to speed up the camera later. Well, also, she, like, sees this werewolf and revs her engine and then slams on the brakes. If you're trying to hit him, just yeah. hit him, Linda. Punch it, Chewy. <laughs> yeah. So the nun finds the dead agent and then the nun is driving her jeep, and the sheriff shoots out her tires. So yeah, the werewolves are using guns now. Yeah. Uh, so they flee to the tower, and they rip the door open, and the doctor's in there, like tearing his own face off. His transformation gets this, really cool. He's got a big. His head is big, very like giant. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost starts, like a character at a theme park. Big. Yeah, or a caricature, and then he starts peeling off his face skin. Where has this been? Right. Like, why did I have to sit through an hour of her thinking she was crazy for an this? An hour and 20 minutes right. of this. Cut 20 minutes out of the movie and just be 75 minutes long. Um, And uh, he is sort of the... 
He's definitely the prop anim- animatronic prosthetic body, whatever, that they yeah, spent yeah. the most time on because he gets the most screen time. Yeah. And he kind of looks more bat-like than he looks wolf-like. So one of the other Howling sequels is, I think, might be directly subtitled The Marsupials, but the Howling universe does have sort of non-wolf... So they're like kangaroos? Yeah, basically. Like, they'll sort of long ears and stuff. It is, it is sort of like... Howling 7, Marsupial Generation. I think it's actually like Howling 3 when they got Marsupial. Oh, isn't isn't there marsupial an animal sa- marsupial salad <laughs> like a wombat? No, wombat's a rodent. Okay, well, it I looks, mean, it might be marsupial, but a wombat is a rodent. They look kind of like that, sort of bat-like, rat-like. Maybe a bandicoot. Is a bandicoot a marsupial? I don't know. Anyway, there's another howling that's marsupials. I don't know that we'll ever do another howling movie on this podcast. Um, yeah, but so the nuns like. Uh, Set the tower on fire. I'll draw them in. We're going to burn these things alive. So the wolves all converge in the tower, and Marie blocks them in with, I think, a piano. It's this very large box. It makes a lot of clanging noises. I think so. And then she um, lights a gas tank of a car on fire and rolls a car into it, and you get a great practical explosion. Yeah, it's really cool. Like I said, the, the last half hour of this movie kind of rules. The rest of it is hot trash. It's a great 15-minute short film tacked on right. to the end of a lot of nonsense. They but also when did fire the, kill werewolves? Yeah, I've never, never heard of that before. I've only known the silver. But the other thing that's weird is none of these werewolves look like each other. They all have a very like different fur, different head shape, different ear shapes. Yeah, it's not like the Ewoks where they look individual, but you can tell they're all the same species. Right, right. They all look like different people designed the creatures, and they were like, whatever, they're all in the movie. Congratulations. <laughs> It's like they had a competition. They got a bunch of uh, students, and they were like, okay, the winning design gets to be in the movie. And then they looked at all of them, and they are like, forget it. We're putting them all in. No, I think what happened was, hey, my my buddy Rick has this werewolf costume. He worked on a movie before. Yeah, yeah. My buddy Paul, he's got a werewolf costume in his car. Like, whatever we got. I like how you said Rick as if it was Rick Baker. I'm sure that was just subconscious brain filling that in, but that was a hoot. Probably. Um, it was like, you want to watch good werewolves. Yes, exactly. Uh, so meanwhile, they set this thing on fire. The movie ends with one final jump scare of the wolf leaping through the fire to roar. Cut to, to credits. Parallel the beginning. Yes. That was necessary. And then cut to credits and we get that banger of a song again. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Howling I may have started well, but four and five are dreadful. Have you ever seen the first one? I haven't. I've seen the transformation, which is cool, but I've never seen the actual movie. Okay, so here's a question. I remember a sequence, probably from one of those, scare, like the Bravo scariest movie right. moments or whatever, where it's a woman thumbing through a filing cabinet at night. That's a Howling movie. With a flashlight. Is it Howling or is it Dog Soldiers? No, that's Dog Soldiers, actually. That, that was my question, because I, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. either Dog Soldiers or Howling. No, that's Dog Soldiers. I'm, I'm like 99% sure that's Dog Soldiers. That is definitely from that Bravo Scariest Movie Moments, though. Which I um, have on DVD, thanks to you. Yeah. Um, Remember Bravo yeah. was cool? Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly a different network then. Um, do you have final thoughts, or should we jump to recommendations here? I mean, it's short, blessedly. Yes. Um, but there's just... So much nonsense that I don't think it's worth your time. I think you could definitely enjoy the last half hour if you're into practical effects and want to see some wildness. There's like a 20 or 30 minutes here that's probably pretty fun. But the rest of the movie is so bad. I mean, it's just rough. Forbuary, which I didn't say up top is the reason why we're doing this, of course. Oh, yeah. Is often a slog because it's the fourth in franchises, but sometimes it's a real treat. You know, a Friday the 13th part four is legitimately my favorite of all time. I actually thought long and hard about putting that in as a possible commentary pick for the Patreon. Cause I love Which that. Which one's movie. the four? Uh, Ted, where's the corkscrew? Oh, that's with the Doublement twins. That's a good one. Yes. It's the best one. I think so. It's not that four is always a, a mark of terribleness, but this, this certainly is. Uh, Should we mention that this is, the, might be the second to last well, it might be. I feel like, you know, Ollie Hoop Noodle's Haven of Bliss has been promised for four years. And so we might need to figure out how to get Ollie Hoop Noodle's Haven of Bliss in there. So this may be the last four, Beery. 
There's also, my. I also have my idea of doing a season four episode of a TV show. There are many ways to do it. We're just running out of part four. Because I feel like part of the treasure here is that it is the fourth sequel, not the fourth movie. Because like the fourth Monty Python movie would count. The fourth Cheech and Chong movie might count. Oh, okay. But I, I like the fourth movie as being like, what ideas do they have left and seeing what that holds. So this may be it. Because, the, because there's only... Uh, one other theatrically released part four movie, which is Herbie Goes Bananas, available on Disney Plus if you'd like to to watch with us. That's that's what's coming up next. But uh, I would say half hour of this movie is probably all you need. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing else. And it's the last half hour, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Sixty nine minutes actually till the end of the movie is is all you need. Mm-hmm. So twenty minutes really. Um, thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the 80s uh, On Facebook, it's the same thing, slash the 80s We can also be found on Twitter at, at DissectThe80s. Uh, no ING there. We love to hear from you, so send us a message. Uh, it's always good to hear from listeners, and we appreciate all the feedback and whatnot. Um, we will be back in two weeks for maybe the final February ever with the last of the original run of Herbie the Love Bug, Herbie Goes Bananas, in which Herbie goes on a tropical vacation and becomes a matador. Uh, I've never seen a Herbie movie, not even the Lindsay Lohan one, I don't think. So I'm so fascinated. We have some we have some Herbie to talk about, because I feel like I watched a lot of them with that. I was curious if you had, but we'll get to that next week. Or next time, rather. Um, so thank you so much for listening to the show. I have been Triplano. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until February 24th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow!